Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we are under the same heaven, under the same cloud, from where you have been speaking to us. We're just saying, come and continue. Speak. 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 We ask this morning, bring us under the spirit of counsel to counsel us, counsel our heart, to counsel our soul. Thank you. We commit today to your hands all of our meditation, our thoughts. Thank you for your servants who you've sent to us by your own design, not by our own will, but by your own providence. So, Father, we pray. It means that you have something to deliver to us from them and through them. Lord, as we come under their administration, we pray, let your spirit move today. Let your spirit move upon every heart, in every soul. We ask, release your word. Send your counsel. Bring reproof. Bring correction. Bring instruction in righteousness. Even doctrine, Lord, concerning these matters. Oh God, open it up today. May this meeting not be closed, but let it be open. Father, I ask that every heart here, everyone who connects, Lord, will be blessed in a unique way. Thank you, our Father. Let it make today yours. Take it. Take it. Use it. You come and bless us, our Father. Thank you, O oh God. I pray you will help us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. Hallelujah. Good morning to you. Please say good morning to someone. Uh, Praise God. <clears throat> awesome. Thank you, Father. Um, I think we are, we are a bit behind in time, so we have to rush quickly. I'm sure some people will join us. Um, praise God. Thank you, Father. Awesome. Is anybody happy to be here? One or two people are happy to be here, so. Thank you. Amen. Okay. Um, so, I'm going to be inviting Pastor Hans and uh, Pastor Kidian to bless us very soon. Um, but I just want to maybe introduce, uh, just to give a background of... Um, why we're why we are doing this today? We haven't done this before, all right. So this is uh, new, this is new grounds, I guess. Um, uh, but there's there was sort of um, I think circumstances just made it such that we we have we needed to have Saturday uh, free um, from the the program we had because we actually couldn't use that venue with the place that we're using um, so we needed to find a different place but there was just something in my heart that felt that we should just make it 
completely different uh, Saturday. And so I, I believe um, that there are some there are some needs that we we have, some things that maybe the Lord would like to speak to us concerning. Um, because a lot of us have different backgrounds. You know, there are some of us here who, um, I mean, some of you are pastors, kids, you grew up, you know, in church and everything. So um, you know the whole spiel, you know, when it comes to... Well, <laughs> When it comes to, you know, being a single person, how you ought to live your life and all of those things. So you're used to all that. Some of us are not quite, maybe, um, maybe you're not, you don't have a very churchy background. Um, so maybe you're not used to, some. you've not had some of those things. Um, but nevertheless, I, I think that there are some key, there are some key understandings that as a young person that you need to have and I don't know maybe it's also from my own um, my own perspective my own experience I'll say because uh, I was very fortunate actually I was fortunate and blessed to have a lot of guidance from a very um, from a very young age um, I came to Canada when I was I was 18 when I came to Canada, so I, I, when I came to Canada, I just turned 19 like a few, few weeks later or so. So, but when I when I came, um, it was in Canada. My actual, my real walk with the Lord in my adult life started. Yeah. So I was, um, I grew up in church, my Pentecostal church. My mom was awesome, wonderful woman, servant of God. She raised us up in church. Uh, she was a good Christian. I watched my parents love the Lord, trust the Lord through good times, through bad times, and all of that. Um, so I had the uh, background, I would say Sunday school. I went through Sunday school, you know, as a kid. I had all of that. Um, but then went into high school, you know, high school, Praise God. Um, and uh, the world opened up, <laughs> so to speak. So, you know, high school is like, like a melting pot of all kinds of creatures from different homes and, and um, backgrounds. So, um, you know, there was a very a time when I was very young. I think maybe I was seven, between seven and ten or so when I, I had a real, a real walk with the Lord. You know, at that age, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, I mean, I used to even read books at that time, pray, all of those things, read, read the scriptures. Um, the first message I preached was, I, was, I don't think I was up to 10. It was actually the, the entire church. It was the children's day. So they brought me and my mom wrote a sermon for me. On from Psalm, I think it was a Psalm 23 sermon, I can't remember exactly, but she wrote it for me. I went, I delivered the sermon to the entire church. <laughs> I read it, I so I think I did that twice. I did that year and the next year, so so I had that phase, but then I, I went to high school, you know, friends and all of that. So that even though the, at some point I was in boarding house, it was a Christian school. 
So a school where it's not a choice. They don't care if you are a Muslim or a Hindu or anything. You have to go to chapel. You must do Bible study. You must Sunday early in the morning. Our church was early. You must go and it doesn't end until, you know. <laughs> so I had all of those things. And those were things I think the Lord used to help me. Um, but my heart wasn't connected to the Lord. I didn't fear God. I didn't. To a degree, yeah, you know, with respect to, you know, how my parents are raised, the things they put around me, but um, I didn't have a, a relationship, so to speak. So it wasn't until I came to Canada at, um, I was 18, and then um, just the next year, not the next year, yeah, the next year, so I came in the fall, in uh, August, so by around April, that was the next year, so that's when the Lord just started speaking to me. It's just from nowhere. Just from nowhere, I just started hearing things. <laughs> when I say hear, not audible voice. I just mean conversations of my heart just started coming. Just, you know, questions about existence. Why am I existing? Why am I here? What's the point of everything? You know, those kind of questions they just, just started. Like, I think it was after my exams, final exams, maybe this, that space, we're just sitting on the bus, thoughts just begin to come, you know, about, you know, so uh, just a, a desire for meaning, I think that's the right word, um, just began to arise in my heart, and uh, that, was, that was a preparation, so he, the Lord was dealing with me in that kind of way, so although, um, and that's why guidance is key, praise God, um, you know, sometimes some, someone could be in that state, but not know what to do. You know, you're having all these questions, you're dissatisfied, you know, you're looking for meaning and all that, but you might not know what to do about it. But so what I was, what I was trying to say is that I was uniquely blessed because from a very young age, the Lord sent me guidance. The Lord sent me guidance. Very, very, very present physical guidance, right? In the, in the form of a person. He was my first mentor. Uh, his name is uh, Alex. I won't say his last name. Um, praise God. Um, so he was just a, a person who, he, I mean, he was in Winnipeg. We were in school together with Pastor Bukumi, uh, University of Manitoba. Um, he was in, I don't think he had come at that time. Um, praise God, what's happened? Amen. So um, the guidance I had was just a physical person who I saw he was older than I was by some years, but I could just see somebody who, who loved God, who served, who served the Lord, who didn't have, um, he didn't have, he wasn't confused to what to do with life. You understand? And as a single young person, that meant something, you know, to see somebody who actually, like he, it's like he actually got this thing figured out. You know, the whole questions I had and all that, it's like he had it figured out. You know, he was... Um, he was a bit older. He had worked with the Lord for a bit. Praise God. He was um, familiar with the word of faith and all of those, Hagin and all of those people. Praise God. So there was, he just had an impression of God and him, and I fell in love. And he also fell in love with me as well. And so he just be, he began to guide me, um, guide me, you know, not just spiritual things, you know, things of life, school, career, you know, why, what's the point of being serious with life? Why should you take anything seriously? You know, simple stuff like that. 
So I really, um, I really, I know the value. I know, I know for a fact that um, my life would be very different if I didn't have such guidance at a young age. I think the thing that you need most when you are young is guidance. It's because there's so much at that age, you don't know what you don't know. You just don't know. Like if you just don't know something, there are things out there that you just don't know. And so you always live out of your little, you know, not fully formed um, knowledge and experience. Praise God. And so right now, our own, you know, we say your, your generation, and a lot of some of you are older than me. So I'm speaking to those younger than me, obviously. Um, but in the younger generation, one of the thing I, things I see um, that's needed is also that thing of, of guidance, right? Guidance with life and what to do, specifically in this that season of singlehood, right? Praise God. I want to just define what I mean by singlehood. The theme for this meeting is the honor of singlehood. Praise God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So, I know yesterday people were saying, ah, what's, what is this, what's the point of this meeting? You know, I, I met some sisters and they were just, praise God, gloomy faces, as if the world is about to end tomorrow. And I was like, what's, what's going on? Is this just a nice meeting? Is it the, the flyer, nice uh, purple, uh, praise God. Why are you feeling like this? An ulterior motive or maybe like, praise God. Huh? I'm not sure what the, you be, can you articulate what the feeling? <laughs> praise God. Amen. So I, I'm looking at your faces. I hope you don't fear. There's, there's nothing. Uh, praise God. <laughs> Amen. Um, so, uh, I, I see the, the one, one day like this is too little to speak about everything about singlehood, obviously. Uh, but before pastor comes, I just want to sort of define maybe what, what I mean by, what we mean by this when we say the honor of singlehood. First of all, what is singlehood? Um, what, what I'm seeing as singlehood primarily um, is the season of life, and I, and I would, I would tell you why it's important, right? The season of life when you become, I guess the English word is an adult, right? Because I wouldn't call a child a single, really, because you're not really single. You are, you are the property of your parents, right? So, <laughs> they, are the, they control your life pretty much. But, so, what I see as singlehood is a time from when you become an adult, and I'm defining adulthood as the point where you become responsible for yourself. Primarily. <laughs> you know, your, your parents become primarily responsible for you. I don't mean, I don't think, they, I mean they will stop being responsible in a sense. They always feel some responsibility for you, but there will be a season in your life where there is a transition and your parents, most parents will actually allow you to make that transition and it's also part of their, one of their goals for you is to make that transition where um, they stop being primarily responsible for you. 
they can be responsible for you in a, most, in a secondary way, but you, at some point, you have to take on the primary responsibility for yourself. So I, I think that's really what adulthood is. All right. Uh-huh. So when you, and it doesn't really have to do with age too much, although it's correlated with age, but some people come into it late. It's like as the years are passing, it becomes later and later. You know, some, some people can be in their 30s and not be adults, you know. You need to <laughs> praise God because of the world has been, has been scattered. Satan has spoiled things. Uh-huh. So before you can see someone who is already who is seventeen, is already a, a full blown man. He can, you know. By, by that time, some of them have come, gone to war. They've come back. They've done you know all kinds of things. Praise God. But now it's a lot later. But what I see as um, singlehood is a point where you take on responsibility for yourself. Okay, then what I'm what I see as the to me the end of singlehood, I will say because we are when you say single, you are almost speaking also relative to marriage, in a sense, right? So there's this a time when you stop being single, then you move into a season of being married. But I don't want to define it just with marriage, and there's a reason why, because it's not given that everybody will get married or marriage is something you must do. You know what I mean? But the time when you, you should get married or when you would get married is another season. And the reason why you get married is because you have, you've grown into a season where you can handle that thing called marriage. Now, someone can grow into that season. It doesn't mean they will get married because there could be other things that can engage that the Lord, even Paul, it's, it's scriptural, that the Lord might say, you know, if you have the gift of celibacy or, or whatever, for some reason, the Lord can bring other things. But what characterizes that season of being marriage is it's a season where you move primarily from being responsible for just yourself to being responsible for others. Right, to being, when I say being responsible for others in some sort of fundamental way, primary way, you know, um, and of definitely marriage does that to you. You know, when you get married to your spouse, you are responsible for them, right? You are primarily responsible for your husband or your wife. Then if you have kids, the same thing, uh-huh, you know, in that kind of way. Um, but there are things, I mean, if you are in a, in a community, and you're not married yet, you can move into that season. You're not yet married, but you have moved out of that singlehood season in a sense. Because now you're moving into a place where you're not just responsible for yourself because of growth and development. You see, this thing, if you look at the lives of Jesus, we can't go into the Bible, but you will see Jesus pass through all the seasons. You come to a season where it's now time to take on, to shoulder as a, as a, a person who has received development on the earth to a certain level. It's now time to, for that, your development to be useful. Useful not just to you, to the world, to those around you, to your community. And so such season is when people start thinking of marriage, people start thinking in other terms like being in a collective term, maybe you're part of something where there's a collective goal that transcends yourself. That's the time you, your commitment towards things that transcend you. Uh-huh. That season is a season of responsibility. And, and that's the season where you will spend the most of your life. Because that's, that's your season of use. 
of your season of use where um, there's, there's a lot of demand for output from your person. You understand? Are you seeing those seasons? So the season from when you move into adulthood, you see that, which is when you become responsible for yourself up until the season where you now come into responsibility for things that are transcendent of yourself, which is that season of maturity. So in between those times is what I call singlehood. Do you understand? If you just wave if you understand what I said. Uh-huh. So it's typically around maybe a decade or so, something like that, right? It's around maybe a, de- a decade for, most, for a lot of people. It's like uh-huh, a decade. So you can calibrate that this season, even biologically, it holds the way the brain develops. Right? When the brain doesn't stop developing until you get to that season where it's time to carry on responsibility, almost into your 30s. By that time, the brain takes a shape. It almost settles into a formation. And, it has, and that's when it's almost like the body is saying that this man has now been developed. It's time for this man to function. Biologically, yes, it operates that way. So, so you see that the purpose of this meeting, you see that key period that key period where you of responsibility for yourself is that's a time when you are responsible for yourself mainly and you are given a space to be responsible for yourself without other burdens so to speak or weight added to you to give you time and space but that time and space is not time for freedom to ah, finish school and working now. I don't have wife. I don't have children. There's nothing else to do. So what do we do? Once you get to that place, once that thing dawns on you, that you are done school, nothing, nothing, and there's nothing to do, and then there's no sense of what to do with that season, you're in trouble. That's where all the problems of single people <laughs> come from. Because you don't know what that time is for. So one of the main reasons for today is to is to you know is to define that season. And it has to be defined. Because it's so pivotal, it's so key. What you do with that time has a lot to determine who you will be for, for the rest of your time on the earth. Do you understand? That time is a, is, a, is a window of opportunity for, it's like you want to build a house, right? And it doesn't mean you won't stop growing, no. You'll be growing for decades of your life, but you see, the, there's a way you lay foundation that the, when they say, okay, let, can we add this to the house? When you bring engineers, ah, they will look at you, they will have to calm you down and say, I, 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 I like your ambition and everything, but it's just that you should have thought about this when you were digging the foundation. There are some things you can add to a house when it comes to furnishing, make it nicer, make it beautiful. You can do that to your life. When you're in your 30s, 40s, you can change the decoration of your life. You can paint the house. You can do all kinds of things. But there are some things you cannot do. If you have foundation for two stories, that two stories, you can change the paint, change the window, change the door, change, but it can't be a skyscraper. Just forget about it. 
So God can use you in different ways, but as a two-story building. Do you understand what I mean? It's different from a house that has foundations for a tall building. You see such a building, maybe as decades are passing in life, God will keep adding floors. Floors can be, why? Because of the kind of foundation that was dug in that time. There are some things that are difficult to shift. Like you see how your brain develops, the frame where it takes, the shape you take when you're coming out of this season. It's, it's hard to rewire your brain when you are 40. The God who has a way he will, of how he will do It's not impossible. Remember, I'm using the word hard, hard. Uh, nothing is impossible. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, you can always bring a bulldozer and dismantle it. But, but I'm not sure you want to experience a bulldozer. It has, it has happened to people. God can do it. If God is very resolute, God can do it. Like someone like Saul of Tarsus. God just brought a, a giant and scattered everything that has been built there and began to raise him afresh after he was already <laughs> a bit old, mature. But some of us can't take that. You might die. You might lose your faith. It's not, it's not everybody that can handle such a thing. So you must remember now thy creator in the days of your youth. That's what the, the wise man in Ecclesiastes was saying. Uh, Pastor, I'm so sorry. Ah, I didn't mean for this thing to take time. I thought this was just a simple thing I would just quickly mention. But, but I just want to read this, past, this verse. Pastor, please, is that okay, sir? Um, Ecclesiastes, is it 12? Verse. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1, it says, Remember when? Remember now thy word, creator in the word, days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw near, when thou shalt say, meaning those days, I have no word, pleasure in them. Praise God. When he's saying, remember now thy creator, the word creator, the creator is also the person who forms, who shapes so one of the, the reasons for the youth, when you are what it calls youth here, I think is this kind of season that I'm speaking concerning that is the season for shaping. It's not really it's not primarily a season for output or is it even though like if you are training a thing, part of training is also exercise. And so when you are using something for exercise, there will be some output there. It means that you'll be functional, you'll be contributing a bit to your to your community or whatever. But that's not the main, whatever thing you are contributing to in your youth, it's not the main reason for your youth. That's why it's, it's bad and it's evil for you to focus more on your output at that age than on your development. That's why it's wrong for you to be in an environment that prioritizes your output at that age than your development. Because you might be outputting well but developing wrongly. That's why it's, it's difficult for you to define your relationships based on output. Your relationships at, at, on your youth should be defined based on what are you developing? What are you laying foundation for? You get what I mean? Praise God. Uh-huh. So that time of single, you know what, that's what I mean by singlehood now? Yeah, there are some things that and we are moving spiritually 
thinking spiritually now. Because the way God made man, the years of a person, God didn't make you for, for the financial system. Even if you want to be a financial analyst or something. Neither did he make you for engineering world, even though you want to be an engineer. You weren't made for the outside world. But even though the world has studied man and learned, studied man's development and has arranged this itself around man. So when they find the educational system from grade this to grade that, secondary school, tertiary institution, it's according to how men develop. So a certain developmental phase, you should have where you fit in the world. But God didn't make us for the world. God actually made you for, to be raised up to serve his purpose on the earth. Praise Jesus. So it means that there is also an alignment with, with um, when you're speaking of your spiritual growth and your spiritual journey on the earth, which is to inherit the life of God, everlasting life, eternal life, to sit on the throne. Are you seeing all these things? which are things that should take a lifetime to accomplish. Uh, so when God was making, designing man, praise God, in the current design of man, with the years that man has on the earth, God has factored in all those things in your development. So there is something that your singlehood, that should be attained in your singlehood for your, the rest of your spiritual work on the earth. And if you miss that, things can be difficult. You would live a different life than you were supposed to live. Because you will not have the foundations. You will not have the tools. There are some key things that can tell you very clearly, as an example, that you should do when you are single. In your single years, which is not that long, it's not forever. When you are single, you feel it's forever. You feel you just have time. It's not forever. It's a very short time, actually. There are things you should be very busy as a single person. There are things that you have that just that time to do. Number one, you must know the scriptures. You must know the scriptures. If you don't know the scriptures in those years, then you want to learn the scripture later. It will be hard. It will not be... Because while you are at that age, your brain is still developing. The way your brain is arranged is developing. You understand what I mean? How you think. God designed that scripture and the Jews, they take this seriously. It's designed that the learning of scripture, scriptural thinking, should be wired into the construction of your brain. So, one of the things that should be characterized in your singlehood is hours. That's why you have time. That's why you don't have responsibility yet. Hours and hours of learning the scriptures. I'm not talking just about revelation. You have revelation. I'm talking about just the scripture, just the raw materials. And it takes time to know the Bible. Not just, not quoting things. I'm talking about knowing the Bible, feeling, having a, an inward feel for the scriptures. Right? Having an inward word, an inward feel. How you know you have had an inward feel for the scripture? Because we're under the area of the New Testament. Is that scriptures pop up by themselves. Is an, is an inward economy of the scriptures within your heart. When you come into a spiritual environment, the scriptures that can come alive, not just for memo, memorization, but because it is married to 
your, 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 your cerebral function, even. You, you understand what I mean? <laughs> that level of, of detail. And the Lord wants these things to be in place, sir. Because see, everlasting life, these things we are speaking of, the kind of generation that God is bringing to the earth, there are people who will deal with Satan. Who, they, will be so, they will be so sharp. You know, one of the reasons why it takes us so long to obey you, this one will give you counsel. The other one will give you counsel. Ah, when is ah? But I told you this thing three months ago. Didn't you hear at all when I was talking to you? <laughs> it's mostly because you are speaking to a person whose mind is framed differently. You can't hold down instruction. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? But one of the things with everlasting life, the life of God, is there's a quickness about it. You have to be quick. What you are inwardly developed towards, you are, you are fast concerning those things. Your thinking is fast. Your pro- inward process is fast. Praise God. Now, I know I'm speaking in terms of the body now, but don't re- you can't remove the body from spirituality. Praise God. Am I making some sense? Aha. So that is singlehood. So Pastor Hans will then come and tell us the, the details and the content and Pastor Kadian of the content of what singlehood is, is, you know, is meant for I mean, in terms of the things that we need to focus on uh-huh, in that time. But one thing you should know is that the energy of your singlehood is for development. And, and not just any kind of development. It's not really for building up. It's for foundational development. It's for deepening deepening. Praise God. It's for building the foundation that God will lay, put layers and a lot of weight on in the future. Praise God. Now, the honor aspect of it, um, pray the Lord will open your heart to see what I'm saying. Men are, not the, men are in sizes. Men are in shapes. Men are in shapes. There are some shapes of men that God just can't use for certain things. They are just, God will find a use for them. But because they are not just, they are not shaped. That's why if you check the pastor, people look at daddy Kenneth E. Hagen. What age did the Lord encounter him? He went when he was very young. They did something to his mind. They made sure that in that singlehood period that he was framed for the kind of ministry he ought to carry. When you, are, when you are listening to Daddy Hagin, you're not listening to someone who studied something. You are listening to a frame. He's a, he's a frame. Once he just starts talking, you know that this is not somebody who prayed and had a vision or something. That you're talking about is a, is a walk. And that walk started from while he was young. The things the Lord did with his mind in that single who season, that season of preparation. Praise God. Look at our daddy, Reverend Kayode. He will tell you right from when he was 17. All those dealings. It wasn't ordinary. You understand? Uh-huh. So, don't waste your singlehood. Don't play it away. Don't use it for frivolous things. Don't throw your energy away with things that don't matter. It's when you don't understand that that time is very short. And it will come to an end very soon. Uh-huh. So, so, the goal here is to make us see that. Then the honor aspect of it... Um, the way it was inspired in my heart is more, um, maybe it had to do with a, a message that Mommy Helen preached a long time ago where she spoke about, you know, things like this. And um, she was almost like speaking of singlehood relative to marriage. 
You know, we know marriage is honorable in all things, the bed on the file. So there's a kind of honor that marriage has. You know, when you see someone that, you know, we aspire to that. You know, that's one of the things that happens when after you've, once you are done school, you are now working, you now think, what's the next thing? The next honorable thing, you know, you've gotten your degree and all that. The next honor is what? Marriage. You know, and you see from the social aspect, the social side speaks to you. Ah, you know, you just come into another, another dimension. You know, there's an honor you give to a married person. You know, the way, the way you greet a married person, you know how you greet a single person. You know, you greet a married person well. A single person, ah, you're welcome. <laughs> you understand? There's just something about the, the social aspect of it. There's the, there's the biological aspect of it where you feel, ah, time, you know, if you're a lady, you're thinking about, what, I think, biological clock, I don't know what the technical term is, something like that. Praise God. There's something, because uh, when you are growing um, at, that, at that time, you feel like the next thing is just to, to get married because there's an honor, you know, in marriage. Praise God. But we need to see there's an honor of singlehood. And if you don't see singlehood as something honorable, you will just you will despise it. You will feel like it's just you you feel like singlehood is just the time when you've not found who to marry. You know that's the default mind that we have. It's just you are singlehood. Just if you don't you've not found who to marry, so you are single. And then maybe if the Lord is delaying that marriage, some you know the Lord can do it for a reason you will not feel honorable. You will not feel honorable because you've not, you've not, you've not interpreted singlehood. You've not seen singlehood as a purposeful season and a purposeful time that if you really know what singlehood was about, you, may, you will even beg God, please, I don't want to get married yet because you are checking your foundation. You are saying, I'm not sure that this thing, I'm not, I'm not sure, when you check the foundation, and you're, and you're trying to look into the life God has for you, you match it up. Hey, things, they are still, this thing needs to be, I can't go with this man. I want more. Do you understand what I mean? Uh, so that time of singlehood, um, in the, just, I will just read, Pastor, I'm almost done now. Um, this is the last verse. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I think that's where Paul was speaking about um, just the attitude of a single person. I think the word he was using there was virgin. Uh, but what he meant for virgin is like a single. What he meant by virgin is like a single lady. Praise God. Glory to Jesus. Okay. Let's quickly read from verse 32. 1 Corinthians 7. Look, let's read from verse 30. Let's just read from verse 30. It says, And they that weep, okay, do they weep not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess it not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world 
passeth away. Praise God. But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord. How he may what? Please the Lord. If you can just take this verse and frame it somewhere. You can frame it in your room if you want, but preferably in your heart. Somewhere. If you're asking, what is the purpose of being being unmarried? Or what is the purpose of singlehood? It's just here. Paul has put it here for us. He's saying here that, I would have you without carefulness, but I will have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the word things that word belong to who to the Lord. How he may what please the Lord. Then verse thirty three. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world. How he may what please his wife. He that is married. So when you see he that is married caring for the things that are of the world, he's not saying that when you get married, you get worldly. Praise God. Or he's not saying you stop caring for God or for the Lord. He's just saying that when you get married, they now add, you now, they give you license to carry cares that have ties to the, to the world. You understand? So the word care there is a very key word. Care doesn't mean um, doesn't mean activity. You can have activities, but not care. Not everything should be a care to you. In fact, they say be careful for nothing. Care is different from you can be going to school, you can have a job, but you are not licensed to care for your job. The word care is a specific language they are using here. Care has to do with what you are, an engagement of your heart. Something that you should be allowed to be a weight upon you. And anything that is a weight, weight brings transformation. It brings change. Anything you are allowed to weigh on you as a care will alter you. It will change you. So one thing actually about a single person you are not allowed to take cares. That's what makes you single. You are in a season where they don't want to put cares on you because the Lord wants you to carry just one care. The care for the Lord. Because there are things that the care for the Lord ought to rot in you in that season. Deep things. When you care for the Lord as a single person, you open up yourself. You carry him as a burden on your heart. That weighs upon you. That weight is able to shape you and transform you into how the Lord wants you to be. But in season of marriage, you now say, okay, you're caring for the Lord, but let's add some, someone who is physical. And let's, let's now take him. And you are now licensed to add a care of that nature in that season of marriage or a season of what I call season of responsibility. It's because you have been framed. You have been built up. So they can add the other things to you. Praise God. Say, but he that is married care for the things that are of the world, that he may, how he may please his wife. There is difference also between a wife and a what? A virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. 
But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may do what? Please her what? Husband. Praise God. Glory to God. Does this make some sense to you? So, there is honor in singlehood. There is honor in singlehood and there is business in singlehood. There are things that you have to do. And I pray the Lord will, as pastor ministers to us this morning, Pastor Hans, Pastor Kadian, I want you to, um, everything they say now, there should be an, a kind of weight and importance. You need to attach to it in your heart. And I pray the Lord will, you know, answer the questions of our heart, you know, as, as they, they minister to us and he will bring great blessing to us. 